Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and the parent of two young adults, one of which is on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Ilya with the Spectrum Strategy Group, and I welcome you to this episode of Autism in Real Life. And I'm so happy to have uh, and honored that um, I have Temple Grandin here with me uh, today. And, you know, really, thank you so much, Temple, for joining me. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know we have a, a nice, interesting topic to talk about today, something super juicy. But um, if you could give people a little bit of background about yourself, I think many people know who you are, but um, I don't think everybody totally knows some of your background. So if you could share that, that would be great. Well, I'm a professor of animal science at Colorado State University. I've been there many years for 31 years. Um, I had no speech until age four, so I got had all the you know symptoms of autism uh, back in 1949 when I was taken in for diagnosis with a neurologist. They didn't know what autism was, but they checked me and made sure I did not have epilepsy and that I was not deaf. Those two things were checked. Went into an excellent early intervention program, absolutely excellent. That two teachers taught in the basement of their house. This wow. just brings up the importance of of good teachers. My mother was always pushing me to do, do new things. Um, one of the things that helped me is that my school had all the hands-on classes. I think one of the worst things that's happened in education is they've taken out wood shop, auto shop, cooking, sewing, art, music. And I think those things are very important because they expose students to things that can turn into careers. How would you know you might like musical instruments if you never played one? Um, I've worked with many people out in industry because uh, I've uh, designed projects, very large meat plants with brilliant welders and machinery designers, people with 20 patents that definitely would be labeled autistic today. And that welding class or that single drafting class um, headed them to a very good career and a really good business. See, this is the thing I see when I get out of the autism world and I go into the industrial world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. So this is we're getting right into that topic of employment here. And I think it's um, it's super critical. Some of the statistics that I've heard are, um, you know, se seem pretty dire. Right. So we hear uh, people with autism are 70 percent unemployed or underemployed. And when I hear that as someone who is, you know, as a coach or as an educator um, or working with families, I feel like what what why is that happening? It feels like such a scary number. And I know for parents as well, that can feel very um, overwhelming and adults as well saying, well, wait, you know, why can't I get the kind of employment that makes sense for me? Um, so what do you think attributes for that kind of high number like that? Well, I think some of the um, autism's increased detection. 
Uh, one of the things that they did, and I'm not in complete agreement with it, was taking out the Asperger's, which is basically socially awkward with no speech delay, merged that into autism. See, a lot of the um, people I would work without in industry owned businesses were probably more likely to be the uh, no speech delay, socially awkward. In fact, Elon Musk recently just came out and said he was autistic on Saturday Night Live. So at one end of the spectrum, you got Elon Musk. Uh, he's very definitely employed. Mm -hmm. And at the <laughs> other end of the spectrum, you have somebody that never can, they can't dress themselves. And um, some of those probably wouldn't have been given an autism label before. So you have this gigantic, um, you know, differences, you know, between the people with all with the same label. I think that's a problem. But one of the big problems I'm seeing today is um, not learning work skills. I mean, I was right. brought up in the fifties. You kids had chores. Um, mm -hmm. Kids had a little allowance. Now, I remember my sister and I saving for an entire month so we could go uh, spend our allowance at the county fair. And I'm realizing now that that taught really important skills. The paper routes are gone. You see, we need yeah. to be finding substitutes for the old childhood paper route. They could be things like volunteering at the farmer's market, volunteering at a church, helping out in an old folks home, um, where somebody outside the family is boss. That's really, really important. And we're, we're concentrating so much on academic skills, we're not concentrating enough on on uh, you know working skills, which are very different skills than academic skills. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a really valid point. I mean, I think I know even my growing up, you know, there were there were small owned businesses, and right, you would work at the local card store. That's kind of what I did, or you work at the local deli or something, and someone kind of takes you under their wing. Um, and I I think it's important. Um, the concept of working for someone other than your parents <laughs> is super important. You know, I think that finding, um, you know, being able to report to authority that's not your parents or not your teacher, I think is a key piece. I think that, I think that's really important. And uh, mother was always encouraging me to do new things. Um, and I had the opportunity to go out to my aunt's ranch when I was a teenager and I was afraid to go. My mother gave me a choice. I could go all summer or come home in a week if I hated it. I got out there and I loved it. <laughs> and one of the things I learned is I learned how to drive. I cannot emphasize how important that is. And I was extremely lucky that um, on my aunt's ranch, the mailbox was three miles away on a dirt road. This is perfect, safe place for driving practice. And we started in the middle of the horse pasture with a very uh, balky uh, old pickup truck that had a clutch. It had three on the tree and lurched around the horse pasture. So we start in a very safe place. You need right. to spend more time learning to operate that vehicle before you touch traffic because one of the problems in autism is multitasking. And I did 200 miles on dirt roads going to that mailbox before I touched traffic. A lot more practice, very safe places like big open parking lots, back country roads, um, on weekday cemeteries. I know people have practiced there, <laughs> deserted office parks. Uh, one place mm -hmm. that was a deserted military base that was perfect for practice. We need to find those 
kinds of places because driver's ed often shoves them into it way too quickly. Yeah. Do not make yeah. that mistake. Yeah. And you, you bring up another point. I mean, again, um, you know, being able to either drive or manage other public transportation or finding how to do that, I think is super key to building that independence. But you, you mentioned creating like a safe environment for learning that type of a skill. Um, I think sometimes it doesn't always feel safe to learn, right? Some of these skills, if we, we throw someone into a job and a lot of times we joke about, you know, on the job training or, you know, we're just going to throw you into it and figure it out. I think that can be really scary for a lot of folks. Yes. Well, yes. And the other thing we got to be careful about, if I was a computer, I'd be an Intel 286. I have a very small processor. I cannot multitask. I cannot remember long strings of verbal information. You know, let's say I had to tear down the ice cream machine at McDonald's and clean it. I'd need to make myself a little pilot's checklist. That's not hard to do. Um, but multitasking is going to be a problem. And this is the reason why you have to have more uh, driving practice. Um, I can give you a specific example of a jobs that are not going to work. Super busy McDonald's takeout window, super crazy busy store at Christmas time. Let's find something that's calmer so we're not setting them up for failure. The other thing I think we need to be doing is just looking more at local contacts in the community to get into jobs. And uh, there was a very good job recently that an autistic person got, and the employer loves them in a food safety lab, receiving the samples where you have to follow procedure. Uh, somebody just knew somebody. We need to be making you know more use of those sorts of contacts. Yeah, so that's a, that's an interesting point. I mean, networking is definitely a thing. I mean, um, some of my experience working and coaching adults, um, I think there's two things. One that I would I, that I would be curious to hear your thoughts on is sometimes um, adults I've worked with have been sort of leery about that sort of building a network or getting connected to people, almost as if it feels. Um, I don't, I'm not quite sure what that is, but I, I feel like it's, um, feeling that someone's setting them up instead of them doing it on their own. I don't know if that, if you know what I'm, what I'm saying, like, instead of it being organic on their own, they feel that getting connected with people, you know, is almost, I don't know, cheating in some way, but, but I think that, I mean, that's how I've gotten my job. So I don't know. <laughs> how half of all decent jobs are gone. <laughs> and even with all the online stuff, I'm a big fan of just short-circuiting that because so many good jobs are gotten through connections for everybody. I cannot emphasize uh, that enough. The, um, I, I understood the importance of connections. There's a really important scene in the movie where I walk up to the editor of the Farmer Ranchman magazine, I get his card. Because I knew if I wrote for that magazine, that would really help my career. Have the guts to get up there and get the card. And then you need to uh, produce the work. Another thing I learned very early on is when you're weird, you sell your work rather than yourself. So I had a portfolio, big fold out, beautiful big drawings, pictures, trade magazine articles I'd had photocopied um, so that I, if I went in to make a presentation to a client, I just laid the drawings out on the table, showed them the pictures, and I let the work sell itself. That's the other thing. So I learned selling my work. And I also wrote in that magazine about my projects, free advertising. Right. 
I yeah. couldn't afford it. <laughs> These were things that I figured out very, very early on. Um, and the other thing I'm seeing with a lot of job stuff is since autism is such a big spectrum, I'm seeing situations where uh, they do not, where job coaches do not make the differentiation between bagging groceries in the store as a training job, which for me, it would should have only been, I never did that job, but for me, it would have been appropriate for that one summer as a training job. And for maybe somebody else with more challenges, it would be a career. People are not making that differentiation. You know, or some guy that I'll go to work at a tech company is bagging groceries for the rest of his life because nobody thought to teach the guy programming. I've seen that problem too. You've got parents that are computer programmers, the kids are math whiz, and so they got so hung up on the autism label, they didn't think to teach their kid programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's the other thing. I think that's part of that unemployment uh, or underemployment, right? Where, um, you know, if they are working with a, a counselor or with a job coach or something, um, they're getting placed in positions that I think I, I think exactly what you're saying is that, you know, it's sort of good maybe to teach um, time management and maybe to, you know, kind of build those even bagging, like I was saying, bagging groceries, right? You have the list of what you have to do and how you interact with a customer and how you report to a manager and call in sick and do all those kind of basic job functions. But it, to me, that would be like a stepping stone for many people. Um, and for others to get to that place could be a, a challenge as well, right? So maybe it's first teaching um, getting up in the morning and getting out of the house and getting you know yourself fed and those kind of things. So I oh, think sometimes we can have... I'm, yeah. I'm sorry about interrupting. I have a very, no, still not have at a all. very big problem with... Uh, I don't get the timing right in conversations. I still don't. No, it's and that fine. goes back to having having a, a slow uh, processor. But uh, there's a scene in the HBO movie about me, Temple Grandin, where the boss slammed down the deodorant and said, you stink, use it. That scene actually happened. <laughs> and at the time, I was angry at the boss. Uh, hygiene, you got to clean it up. You just have got yeah. to clean it up. Now, I think it's okay to be eccentric. You want purple hair. You know, if this purple hair is done really nicely, I tolerate that as an employer. <laughs> But even on a construction site, if you come in like you've never taken a shower in the morning and come into the job trailer in the morning and you haven't taken a shower and you're totally gross, um, that doesn't even fly at a construction site. Mm-hmm. No, you've got <laughs> yeah, and to, some of those basic skills, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's been a problem. And one thing I learned since I have some sensory issues with clothes is I've just got good clothes and work clothes that feel about the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. And I think one thing that I that I appreciate, especially having seen you speak before and see, just seeing you now is uh, I find that sometimes and I think this is true for a lot of people, not just people on spectrum, um, being true to who you are yourself. Right. You've it, even just in the way you've stated about how you dress, whether it's your work clothes or your casual clothes, finding things that work for you and being true to that. I think some of that comes from um, just, I don't know, just knowing yourself really well and kind of sticking to what works for you. Um, plus also how, how does that fit into, um, you know, societal expectations? And I, I, I think you hit on it where, you know, before you talk about your portfolio, your portfolio speaks for itself, right? It doesn't, 
it shouldn't and it shouldn't matter how you dress, what you look like, none of that stuff. But the work should speak for itself. Um, well, that, that right? thing, the other thing is a lot of my work was freelance. And I, and then I learned that if I wrote about, you know, something I designed, people used to say, why do you give away so many drawings? Well, I found that, that led to led to other jobs. And even someone like Elon Musk, he has his own business. Um, you start out small and, and you and you build it up. Um, but I'm going to estimate that about 20% of the welders that um, owned uh, fabricate what's called metal fabrication shops and um, skilled drafting people who laid out entire factories were either autistic, ADHD, or um, uh, dyslexic. And I'm saying that absolutely seriously. The special ed department builds the stuff. And and the thing I'm finding when I go to an autism meeting, educators just don't know anything about the industrial world. You know, the, the world of factories. Okay, I mainly worked in the meat industry, but I've, I've been in other kinds of factories too. And there's a lot of stuff that's the same. And, and the fact you would fall down if you didn't have that kind of a different guy in the shop that fixed everything and designed the new equipment. Right. So, so what I hear you saying is we need to really think more outside the box because I know as an educator, um, and also depending on where you live in the world or in the country, right. Um, you, you know, and what your surrounding area is like, I actually worked in a, um, a a tech school, a high tech high school, and I did some work with them, but it was specifically an agricultural um, tech school. And what a great like environment for kids, especially who who could explore different things, like could try out different types of um, jobs that maybe another high school that I was working at, seriously, like less than an hour away, they were they were teaching them in a very different way. And there was one particular student that I was consulting with, and he really loved frogs. And they had him working in, um, in like, a, I guess it's a hatchery. I'm not really sure. But, but they were having him work, you know, every day after school, he would go to this store and this farm and they were raising frogs and using them for all different things. And he was learning that process. And the family was like, yeah, I think this is what, you know, this is where he'll go. This is what he's going to do. But without the family kind of knowing, and maybe without that, that very specific type of school, right. Other kids may not be exposed to that. And then even as adults, some of us are still figuring out, well, what am I going to do? Right. Like what, what is it that interests me? Um, so how can we create more of those opportunities, do you think? Well, I think one of the worst things and I've repeated this many times, uh, the schools have done is taking out all of the hands-on things. So art, theater, sewing, woodworking, metal shop, auto shop, drafting. Okay, now some places are putting in 3D printing. Um, but kids have to be exposed to stuff to get interested. And when you take out all of those um, hands-on classes, then... Um, they're not getting exposed to things that could become possible careers. Now, I was talking to one shop teacher recently at a technical school, and he had an autistic uh, teenager that couldn't stand the noise of the tools. Well, what I'd recommend on that is to go into the shop uh, when it's not during a class, and you can just turn the stuff on and off, turn the drill on and off, turn different tools on and off where you control them. Because lots of times you can learn to tolerate a loud sound better 
if you're the one who turns the tool on and off. That can sometimes make a big difference on that because some of the problems with noise sensitivity is an excessive startle response. And so when they initiate the sound, it's better tolerated. Right. So it's sort of like feeling like you at least have a sense of control over the the noise and maybe the volume and how it, you know, how fast a machine might move or whatever. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it that way. I mean, it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is also people would say maybe like exposure therapy, right? Like, so we're saying we have to expose people repeatedly first in a really safe way, in a way they can understand um, and just sort of build the build up tolerance to some extent. Um but also just, I think it's also building understanding of something they may not be, uh, that they might be afraid of or might not understand. So they can help build, you know, build that background knowledge. Well, the important thing with some of the sensory is giving the person control where they're turning the electric drill on and off or some other tool. And that can often get them to tolerate it better. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. Um, so, what other opportunities? So, if I'm if I was an educator, I know I've talked about transition planning with um, with schools and students, and I've said, okay, we need to think about outside the box where someone can build the skill that's not in school specific, like working with, like you're saying, working with a family member that maybe works somewhere else, or maybe um, doing some volunteer work or shadowing. Um, what other what kind what other kind of opportunities do you think um, could make sense? Well, we don't have paper say, routes anymore. <laughs> all right, I know we don't have paper. I know that, but let's just say for fully verbal people with an autism label, two real jobs before you graduate from high school. That's the goal, and we have to be careful on multitasking. One of those jobs could be bagging groceries. Um, uh. You know, there could be a whole variety of different, you know, kinds of things they might do. Um, help out in an office with some paperwork. Um, you know, we just got to be careful about the um, about the multitasking. You know, working at greenhouse. I mean, whatever you can kind of just figure out locally. There are a lot of communities where you have a whole lot of little tiny shops. I look at those and I'm going, hmm, little mechanic <laughs> shop. Now you got to be 18 to work there. Um, I do a lot of talks in other countries and. Um, I just did a talk to Nigeria, and I know they have a lot of motorbikes there. And you have the kid who likes mechanical things. Let's get him fixing motorbikes. I guarantee you that will give him a job uh, in Nigeria or some other place similar to that. You see, I see specific examples. It's not abstract. My mind thinks in specific examples. Another thing I want to bring up is the different kinds of minds, the jobs for the different kinds of mind. I am an object visualizer. Everything I think about is in pictures. And my kind of minds are really good at mechanical things, designing mechanical equipment, art, graphic design. Then you have the more mathematical student. They're the ones going to get a traditional engineering degree, um, be good at computer coding, something I tried. I absolutely could not do it. Um, uh, chemistry, physics, you know, these sorts of things. And then you have people that are good at writing. And a lot of the verbal people, the ones that love history, they love facts, very good at specialized retail. Uh, they spend some real successes with selling cars, selling auto parts, selling office supplies, because they were appreciated for their knowledge of specialized merchandise. 
specialized retail. And there's lots of um, sporting goods store, would be, you know, another one, a camping equipment store. And these places are relatively quiet. That's another thing. They're, it's not a chaotic um, place. And there's um, enough time to talk to customers about what they might want. And that's been some other good success places. The car dealerships, I know of um, three teenagers that walked into car dealership of either a family or a friend and they started selling cars. They couldn't right. buy them. They were allowed <laughs> to demo park only. Right, right, right. They sold the electronics and they were selling cars. Yeah. So you what see, about the adults? Yeah. Yeah, no, very specific. And I think, um, you know, I think that point of trying to, to find that thing that, um, interests you and excites you and then kind of, you know, going with that. If, if I'm an adult, you know, looking for employment and, and had, have been struggling, especially now during this time with everything, you know, a lot of online, um, you know, kind of environment that we're in, but, but I think we're, we're easing up a little bit. What would be some suggestions or examples that you've seen with adults sort of, um, you know, not in school, but now we're post school and now we're still figuring out what we want to do. Um, what would be some things that you've seen people work on and be able to kind of, one of the big problems I'm seeing with a lot of adults post-school is video game addiction. And in a book that I did with Deborah Moore called The Loving Push, we reviewed all the research on video game addiction and autism. And uh, people on the spectrum are more likely to get addicted to them. Now, well, younger kids, we want, I'm not a believer in banning video games, but we've got to control it. You cannot let it totally take over, where the only interest is video games. And most of these individuals are not going into careers in video game design. Um, I, I read a lot of business magazines and video game design is a very crowded field and the pay is terrible. You're better off going into other types of, uh, of computing. There have been three success stories where an adult video game addict was weaned off with car mechanics because my kind of mind, the real visual kind of mind is the kind of mind that will get addicted. I've played some video games. I will not have that stuff on my computer and it will not be on my phone. Now, if I want to go and check out what the latest video game is, I just watch trailers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I find out mm -hmm. what the game content is, but I don't play them because I never, never will forget playing a video game. I thought I had done it for 30 minutes. I had done it for four hours. So I don't touch them, but there's been, and there's other people that can play them in, you know, reasonable moderation. Um, but what was done was uh, they slowly weaned them off with car mechanics. And one of them now is working for the railroad fixing trains and they love them. Um, and it's done slowly. You have to replace the video games with something else. You also have to find somebody willing to work with the person. And it would probably be some of the smaller independent shops. These are around everywhere. When I talk to parents, one of the first things I'll say, who do you know that owns an auto shop? And, or just owns any kind of a business. And they'll go, oh, no. And I go, wait a minute, you do shop. Come on. <laughs> Let's start thinking about it. Then I get them to think about it. And they go, oh, yeah, there's a stationary store that might be just perfect. Mm -hmm. Some little independent shop. There's a store we have in town. I think it's called Scales and Fins. It was open <laughs> during the pandemic because it was considered an essential business. Mm -hmm. um, 
for a certain kid that likes frogs or something, that might be the perfect place for him to work. (laughs) You see, I I drive by that. It's not where I want to work, but um, (laughs) I look at that and I go, hmm, that might be just the place for a certain person. Something kind of unique. Yeah, I'm thinking, um, you know, with an adult, sometimes the, I think similar to what you said before, is you decided to grab that business card when you, when you met a potential client. And I, I, I wonder if, um, you know, whether you're the adult yourself or whether a parent or whether, you know, a coach or an educator that you, you walk into that store and you go, oh, you know, this might be a cool place that I'd like to work, or I, I like the environment here, or I like the people here. Um, to just do that reach out and, you know, say, Hey, I really like this place. This might be, a, you know, this, this is what I bring to the table and this is what, you know, I might need support with, but can I at least try it? I mean, is that something you've seen? Have well, people... I think sometimes, yes. Uh, yeah. There's been people just going, so let me just try, let me just volunteer. You know, yeah. let's, uh, yeah, yeah. some businesses now are giving people on the spectrum the opportunity to sort of try on jobs. And I think that's a very good thing. Now, I think another thing that helped me was 50s upbringing. There was much more formal teaching manners, teaching social skills. When I was a little kid, this was done in our neighborhood. All of, when you got to be about seven or eight, parents had a party. You put your good clothes on and you had to greet the guests. Another thing I did was selling candy and stuff for charity. And I look back on these things and, that, and I'm realizing that that taught social skills, but I also want to emphasize it's never too late to start. The other thing you have to do with some of these um, individuals is you have to coach them. Uh, my very first project, I criticized some welding and I said it looked like pigeon doo-doo. And the plant engineer pulled me into his office in the boiler room. I'll never forget this. And he explained to me quietly, he didn't scream at me. He told me quietly, he had to apologize for that rude talk. I didn't have to tell Whitey the welder because welding was wonderful but I had to apologize for the rude talk. He told me what I should do. He was a super good job coach. And did he have training in being a job coach? Absolutely not. He was just an older plant maintenance engineer. Yeah, no, I mean, I've in the different careers I've had, I've been pretty lucky. I've had some really good managers who did, you know, that kind of same really good coaching, teaching you the right, you know, way to, word an email or to give positive feedback or to give constructive feedback, like all of those things. Um, I feel like sometimes we, we do miss some of that. Um, and, and in what you're saying about sort of being raised in the fifties, I know things have changed so much. Um, what's your, what's your, you know, I feel like there's this weird balance between teaching social skills and then also not wanting to take the personality out of the person. Right. So, and I, well, and I, sometimes I wonder where that, where that misses. So can you like, well, can you just clarify what you, what well, you mean? I, yeah. You can still have your personality and not criticize things in a really rude way. You know, I'm talking basic, just basic manners. Okay. Like, you know, you look how to greet people, how to correctly greet people. That's not hard to learn. And then when I went to foreign countries, I never, I'm very, very bad in language. But I always learn how to say thank you in the foreign language. You know, that's, that's an easy thing. You know, you can still be yourself um, and just do do some of these things. Also, I have a lot of grandparents come up to me, grandfathers, grandmothers. Oh, they'll come up to me and they find out they're autistic when the kids get diagnosed. 
and they have decent jobs. Now, where a diagnosis is really helpful for an adult is on their relationships. That's where the diagnosis can be almost a relief. And I have another book, and it's called Different, Not Less. And it's 18 um, people on the spectrum telling their experiences with getting diagnosed later in life. And all of them were successfully employed. But the diagnosis helped them with their relationships. And actually, I basically was the editor for that book. Uh, reading some of those uh, people's own words, uh, I found that really helpful. But I'm seeing too much not learning basic skills. Teenagers that are doing well in school who have never gone shopping, never had a bank account. I'm talking about very basic stuff here. And I find some parents can't let go. Let's just start out easy. Let's just, yeah, I visualize a specific example. And one specific example I see was a 12-year-old that her mother and I came up, to, she came up to me at the airport, some airport somewhere, and we were sitting at the gate, and this girl had never gone shopping by herself. I pulled a $5 bill out of my wallet, and I said, go in that newsstand across the hall and buy something. <laughs> and we could see the newsstand. I didn't send her to the other end of the airport. We could see the store across the hall. And she mm -hmm. went and bought a drink and brought me back the change. It's the first mm -hmm. time she'd shopped by herself. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing yeah. more and more of this kind of basic stuff that they're not learning. Right. And I think we forget about those things. I think, um, you know, it's funny as uh, even with my own, my own kids are all are both young adults and, you know, s simple things that we also, you know, we didn't just take out hands on stuff. I mean, I would say even like there used to be personal finance classes. I remember like, you know, how to open a bank account. What are mortgages? What are you know, how do you write a check and like stuff like that? And I know it's changed because we do a lot of things online, but there's still a learning curve from when you're living at home to all of a sudden you're living on your own and you're like, oh yeah, how, how do I get checks and how, you know, or do I have to make a wire transfer or do I have all these simple basic things that, well, like for me now seem basic, but even still there, there's a lot of steps that go into that. We've, we've kind of taken even those types of skills out, I feel. Well, I think they're essential skills and they're things that are, you know, that are holding people back. And when it comes to saving money, I, I like seven and eight years old, and we, my sister and I would save for an entire month so we'd go play carnival games. Because in the 50s, we thought the lays they gave out for consolation prizes were really cool. And there was no other place you could get those. But I'm looking back on that. What I learned from that, I'm realizing, is so important. And we've got adults today that haven't you know, learned some of these just totally basic things. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I remember one exercise I did with my kids and we still talk about it. I think there were maybe like 16, 17, something like that. I did. I did the gross. They had gone shopping before, but I said, look, if you're on a budget, here's twenty dollars. I'm going to give you twenty dollars. You go to the grocery store and you need to be able to feed yourself for a week with $20, which is really hard to do. But I said, you need to be able to have protein. You need to have a snack in there. Like I gave some parameters around that. Um, and man, did they not come in? I think my daughter came in like a dollar under and my son came up like a dollar above, but I was pretty good with that. Like that was a pretty good exercise. And they, we made it fun and we made it groceries that we would use or whatever anyway. 
But but just a simple exercise like that um, just taught so many different things, just being in the store and had a budget and what are your most important items to choose from? Um, you know, so I think that, like, like you said, just giving the $5 to go buy something can help, uh, like minimize that anxiety of just having to go to, just to go into a store, pick something out. Um, a lot of people get overwhelmed even just by the choices that are available. Well, these are things that, that I was learning as a kid. I remember wanting to make a Halloween costume as a kid and well, I bought some material for that out of my allowance. And I mean, it was just really, you know, just just um, simple things. And and I see a lot of moms are afraid to let go. You see, I didn't tell that girl to go to the other end of the airport. It was a store across the hall. Or I can say, well, I've suggested to the parents, okay, let's say you're pumping gas and you just tell the kid to run in the store and get a loaf of bread. Is right there. You can see in the front window of the store. <laughs> right. We can start off with you know something really simple like it. See, but I visualize it. See, my mind works in specific examples. I actually, I actually can make that picture in my mind at different gas stations around town that I go to. Mm -hmm. Right. And which right. one I would easily look into window because I've thought about um, um, just just not learning basic skills and. And I, you know, things I learned in sixth grade how to write a business letter. I mean, it's still mm -hmm. a place to write a more formal email. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because you talk about the, you know, parents want needing to let go. I think it can also happen to educators as well. Um, you know, in some ways, an exercise like that isn't just helping the child, right? It's also helping the parents, you know, kind of learn that they can separate and also see the success and the independence that's being built with it, with, with the child or the student, right? Like, because it's like, oh, wow, they were able to do that. And then everybody feels really good about the experience. Well, that's right. That's right. And the other thing that um, also, you know, affects how I think about these things is when I realized how many people I've worked with on large construction projects, this would be steel and concrete work on, on uh, stockyards, also machine redesign. Um, I went through all my jobs. Just, I just did this recently where I was on a construction site for an extended period of time and started putting down all the people that I know were either autistic, dyslexic, or ADHD. Mm -hmm. Just about 20% of them. That factory would not have gotten built without them. Mm -hmm. See, this is something that educators just don't, they don't know that world at all. Right, right. And I think also instead of looking at it, you know, um, as just a difference in how we learn, a difference in how we approach work, um, a difference in how we approach social situations is definitely um you know, I think I think a lot of people are starting to catch on. Um, and I'd like to say there are employers out there that are starting to catch on to this. Um, have you worked with any employers specifically uh, that you can mention that yes, are looking I've talked, to? I've talked to a lot of employers. I, I did a talk recently with Ikea. I've talked to the tech companies. Of course, they realize that a lot of their programmers, you know, are probably on the spectrum. I think it's really good that Elon Musk is self-disclosed. I've always thought he was on the spectrum after I read Ashley Vance's book six years ago, but I couldn't say anything until he came out publicly. Um, now, one of the things with his, you can read Ashley Vance's book, it's called Elon Musk, 
he had a lot of work experience as a kid. He also was bullied horribly in school, shoved down the stairs, his face smashed in. Um, but he was brought up with a lot of, you know, hands-on use of tools, a lot of travel, um, lots and lots of work experience. Uh, he didn't get addicted to video games. He was trying to make, he was making them and selling them. Now, one advantage that he had is I looked up the video games, the trailers of the video games that he would have played, you know, based on his age, and they were much less addictive. They also came from an era where the computer would break all the time and you get blue screens full of code. I call it a computer showing their guts. Well, that would get a kid interested. That doesn't happen today. It just and crashes and it doesn't show off the, the code that's hidden deep inside. Well, mm. that blue screen is full of code. Then the kid wants to find out how that works. You see, and that leads right. to like There's a background. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole background that I'm not seeing. Yeah. But that's not happening today. And the games, oh, he would have been those old Mario games with very chunky figures. I looked up all the games that were, were when he was 14 and stuff like that, he would have been playing. Um, and so he wanted to sell video games. And he also did a lot of entrepreneur stuff when he was a young kid, selling stuff. And and looking at that, that taught skills. He also had a relative that had an airplane. He did all kinds of wild and crazy trips. And he saw endless slideshows of what this relative did. And you see, you look at that, all this exposure, you know, to, you know, other countries. He also wasn't afraid of hard work. One of his first jobs he had, uh, when he, I think when he went to Canada, was to go inside a filthy, dirty tank and clean stuff out of it. <laughs> and it was a really, really awful job. Put on a special suit. And so he learned what hard work was. Right. He also so, was very so he was very persistent and landed an internship with a bank. And that's how PayPal got started. And he kept getting a hold of this guy at the bank. And finally, the guy took him to lunch. You know, he got the card. I could relate to that. That was similar to me getting the card. Right, right. Yeah. And it's just, it's that uh, sticking to it, um, especially if it's something that you're like, you're really passionate about. And so what kind of supports are people, I mean, I would hope that Elon Musk is uh, in his companies um, is providing some sort of, you know, support for a neurodiverse type of workplace. Uh, but what other, you know, what other places, what kind, I guess it's more about what well, kind of. There's a lot of companies now that are realizing that, um, you know, there's certain things that, you know, people with autism or autistic people can do really well, things like quality assurance. There's companies that hired only autistic people. There's one called Oscuratech, and their job is to test websites. Also, they have a contract with a major, very fancy headphone manufacturer that I have to keep confidential. And their job is um, try out this new fancy, dancy, noise-canceling, super-duper headset with every conceivable device and streaming service you can hook it up to and make sure it's going to work. Right, right. Uh, that, yeah, what a um, great what a great population to check, right? <laughs> well, it's important to check things because just the other day I wanted to renew my subscription to The Economist. And I mm -hmm. called the 800 number they listed and they were trying to sell me a medical alert advice. <laughs> and a single two numbers were transposed. This happened yesterday. I finally got a hold of The Economist and said, you better check that flyer you're sending out because your 800 numbers got transposed digits and they wanted to sell me this thing I could hang around my neck so if I fell, I could call 911. <laughs> um, but that's the sort of mistake that um, um, that they did do with websites, like a transposed phone number 
Uh, one example is uh, they were losing 20% of their business in one district. And when the website got updated, a phone number had been transposed. And just, I found this thing on the Economist flyer yesterday. It was an 86 versus 68 at the end of the number. Makes all and the difference. I, I, said, I think you need to get that corrected. <laughs> right. Right. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, it, is there anything else that you can think of? I know we only have a few minutes, a few minutes more, but that uh, if you were, you know, talking like one, one particular thing or one um, example that you have that I think can drive home this uh, concept of, you know, exposure and learning what other types of things are out there aside from academics and traditional. Yeah, well, go ahead. I, the, I was told you that about 50% of your listeners are adults that are on the autism spectrum. And we need, I don't know what the employment level is. First of all, I like to find out what kind of a thinker I think a person is. Are they a thinker where car mechanics would be the right thing to direct them into? You see, that'd be my kind of mind. Um, or there's somebody, the word thinkers, I might direct them more towards a specialized retail job. There's a bank that hires uh, hires people on the spectrum, and they have two word thinkers that sell specialized financial products, and they've been very successful. You see, my mind works totally in specific examples. Uh, so, what kind of a thinker a person is, and and uh, then you just kind of look in the neighborhood and get them into jobs. And we need to find the back doors. The back doors are everywhere. But people are not seeing them. They're just not seeing it. And if you have a, a uh, something where you can make a portfolio, you see, I was doing design work for cattle handling facilities. So I could put up, make a fancy portfolio. Or if you're a programmer, you can make a fancy pro a portfolio. You know, put it up on LinkedIn and you've got electronic things because a lot of that programming work, that can all be done remotely. Um, you know, some of these other jobs, um, Selling cars doesn't work very well remotely. That's something you do. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Yeah. There's Carvana now. You can actually buy a car online. <laughs> oh, I know you can. I, they have those glass car vending machines. I've seen that. Right. I, I, I'd have to have an, to buy a car out of one of those things. I'd have to have a very, very good um, uh, contract where if there was something wrong with it. Um, I could yep. trade it in, like you're going to take it back. Um, <laughs> but they, they, um, but you see what being a visual thinker, when you said Carvana, Carvana, I saw that thing. Mm -hmm. I saw one lit mm -hmm. up at night. I saw one that was in a magazine. You see the picture, see, I'm a picture thinker. Well, we got to get a lot more creative about finding things in the neighborhood. And one of the places I look for is small shops. Small independent shops. Those are often really good places to start because you don't have to deal with all the corporate bureaucracy uh, that mm. some of the big stores have got. Right. And you don't have to do all the right. online nonsense and everything else. Yeah, and I, I mean, think it's still I, very I, personal. I, I, I drive around town and I see small shops and I'm going, mm, that might be a possibility. That one might be a possibility. Um, then I go into areas I've been in other countries, I've been in developing countries, tons of small shops. I remember scoping out some of those shops saying, ooh, that one right there might be really good. <laughs> I'm just scoping yeah. them out. I've, I've got to look for something where specialized knowledge would be helpful and not too much multitasking. 
multitasking and chaotic kind of a of a shop isn't going to work. You see, we're an auto mechanic, so they bring you one car at a time and you fix it. That's not multitasking. You see, I see that. Now, right now, John Deere up in Wisconsin, they can't get enough technicians to fix these fancy electronic tractors and to work on software. I see that jobs. Well, you need to find the right John Deere dealer that'd be willing to work with a guy. And and there's a class they'd have to take for that. Um, and, and it involves a lot of you know computerized stuff. But I just saw that two weeks ago, the sign in front of a John Deere dealership. I was at a John Deere dealership just two weeks ago with a farmer. And we were talking about the pros and cons of, of the planter with no electronics, which he bought, that he can fix himself versus the more uh, electronic stuff. We had a big discussion about that. So, you know, that's the outside of things. But I looked at that John Deere dealership and I thought, hmm, a door. Uh, what would I do if I had no um, high school diploma because I couldn't do algebra because I absolutely can't do algebra? I'd head for the Amazon warehouse. What you've got to do there is you've got to do every job on the floor. And then you work up. You better unload a few trucks first. You're going to have to unload a bunch of trucks. That's probably the first job to put you on. Um, and then your goal, this is what I did in the cattle industry. I'll design the next one in the future. <laughs> I have seen that career path. But you have to be willing to pay your dues. And there's a few jobs in there with a lot of multitasking. I try to avoid them if I could. Because I'm only an Intel 286, but I got the cloud for memory. <laughs> um, but as I as I talk about this, I'm seeing the warehouse. I'm seeing pictures in the business magazines and the videos I've watched online because I find that stuff interesting. I'm, and the thing that's an advantage in working for a big corporation like that, there's lots of avenues to move up. Same thing in the meat industry. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, Amazon warehouse can be a lot. It's not going to be wet, and it's going to be a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, I think. Um, to your point, there's a there's a lot of um, sort of things you have to go in, experiment, see what's there. I think also we're in a unique time where there are a, there's actually a lot of jobs opening up right now because people have shifted careers and have changed their work, and so there's more opportunity right now than um, than I've seen in a long time. I think absolutely. I went uh, over to King Supers, that's my grocery store, pick up my prescription. And they had little temporary plastic signs with wire stakes out in the parking lot advertising jobs. And they had one of those uh, banners that you buy from a banner store uh, uh, advertising jobs. And those signs were just put up within the last few days. Yeah. They yeah, were there. So I think there yeah, there's new opportunities that people haven't uh, haven't seen before. So, um, so yeah, I think. That, they'll get that bagging job. And, right. and for a lot of people, but but King Supers is a large corporation. I mean, there's people who work up the store manager. You know, that's one of the advantages of big corporation. You get a job in a small shop, um, you're gonna, you know, just work in that small shop, and then if something happens, like the small shop disappears because the rent got too high, and the owner. Uh, I had used to work with a really wonderful. Uh, well, the film is obsolete now, but they developed my film and did graphics for me and um, they were making the transfer uh, transfer to the electronic world, but then the owner got cancer and that's the end of that business. So that, that could be 
Um, part of the problem with small shop is if it goes away, you're left hanging. And a lot of corporations are getting better about working with neurodiverse people and recognizing that they've got talents. But right now, there's a ton of help wanted signs. You know, let's go yeah. in there to King Supers right now. And you know what they said on those signs? You get paid mm-hmm. tomorrow. I've never seen that before. <laughs> that was on signs I saw yesterday at the grocery store where I shop. Right. Right. So I think people are definitely more willing to, to co- have people come in and talk to them, um, get get some jobs. I think the small, yeah, both small and large organizations have their ups and their downs. And so um, kind of experimenting with both, I think, can be super helpful. And then it can also help you decide what what might work for you as an individual and and what might not. Um, so I know we talked about so many different things. If people want to find out more about your work, I know, you know, there is, um, there is the HBO movie. You have a lot of books. Um, where can people find out more information about you and your work? Um, yeah. Well, they can go to templebrandon.com if they want to learn about livestock. Oh, excuse me. I got mixed up there. I'm a bit dyslexic. Templegrandon.com is my autism site. Templegrandon.com, my whole name. Grandon.com is my livestock site. Now, some of my books you might find really helpful are The Autistic Brain, because in The Autistic Brain, I present the science that shows that the different kinds of thinking really are real, like the object visualizer like me, the more mathematical mind, and then the more word-based, you know, fact mind. These really do exist. It also has a bunch of tips on different types of jobs for different kinds of thinkers. Um, there's my autobiography, Thinking in Pictures. You might find that um, helpful to read. Those would be two I would definitely re- recommend, The Autistic Brain and Thinking in Pictures. And Thinking in Pictures has a new afterward. Ah, okay. So I'll have to go and look at the newer version now. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here with me today. And this was a really interesting conversation. I know these are topics that um, we can talk a lot, you know, we can talk a lot about. And, you know, I I have the, the idea that I'd love to kind of redesign how education is done and redesign how we kind of prep um, kids for, for after work. And maybe um, if more people hear this kind of information, we can we can have a really good start. So I appreciate well, you. Exactly. I mean, it's been, been um, uh, let's say you're just sitting in the bedroom doing nothing. Um, video game addicts are often visual thinkers like me. And they, um, I'm not saying auto mechanics is the way for everybody. It's not. But the three successes that I have been told about where they were successfully weaned off the video games was fixing cars. And they found that cars were more interesting than video games. And that, and as I said before, I won't have stuff on my computer because I'm worried about how addictive it is. I, I just watched the trailers, so I know what's in the new games. Right. Like, no, but it's great to, to kind of know. I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate you sharing about the autistic brain because that can help people um, kind of understand the different ways of thinking and how, you, you know, did the different types of brains work um, and then help to kind of clarify. And, and sometimes it's just that awareness of, oh, I, I am a visual thinker. That's why I see things. Um, in pictures, like you say, or why I can remember where things are just visually, uh, so it can help people get it like a good background. And there's other or people that are going to be the more mathematics mind, and they think in patterns and more graphs. 
These are the ones that'd be good at coding. I tried coding, I was not able to do it. But I tried, you see, this is where it's so important to get exposure to so many different things. I tried it and it was not for me. But another kid tries it and I'll take off with it. Right. And not and not feeling defeated. If I mean, if we all have tried things that don't work out. So you try something and if it's not the right the right thing for you, don't don't uh, get too hung up on it. Just move on to something else and try try something else. OK, I hope your sounds OK on your side. Your image froze just a little bit. Hopefully okay, your yeah. side of the will record it just fine. My image yeah. is not frozen on anything. <laughs> no, we're all good. I'm uh, still good. Okay, well that's um that's uh that's really good, but I'm I'm just uh, I'm a big believer in in going across disciplines and a lot of educators they need to learn a lot more about what goes on in business, goes on in industry. Let's get some good magazines into the high schools. And I think paper magazines, some business weeks, some fortunes, some wired some fast forward, you read about really fun stuff in industry. How about some sciences and some natures? And one of the advantages of paper magazine, first of all, they won't, there's, there's no bad content in them, is that as you flip through that paper magazine, I'll read about something that normally wouldn't be my field. I read a fascinating article on battery recycling because I'm very, very interested in sustainability issues. And I go, wow, that's just really interesting. And that's not something I would have looked up uh, on my own. That's something I read just two days ago. That's recent. And and because I'm a big believer in this in this exposure to things. Uh, you get you, you don't know a lot of kids today they just start getting exposed to enough stuff to figure out what they might want to do. Um, yeah. You see, I think specific examples. Um, I did a talk at our state fairgrounds. This was two years ago, and the audio engineer, after the, the um, his manager came up to me and says, well, I'm pretty sure our audio engineer is autistic, and he is super good. Okay, this kind of fell into that job. So when I set up for a concert, um, he's the audio engineer. And again, it's another specific example. Every time I see, time I see him sitting at those concert stages, I'm thinking about a guy who didn't graduate from high school, and he goes around to fairgrounds and sets up concert stages. Mm-hmm. Right, right. 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 And it's having that experience. You just sometimes just never know. And I think I think a lot of parents I think a lot of parents get too hung up on the label and they can't see beyond the label. I think this is especially a problem for people that are verbal, which I'm not verbal. I just got a journal article back from the reviewers. They like my paper, but they don't like my organization. And I'm not reorganizing it totally right now. And I, I don't think in a linear manner. And I got I just was going marking it up, just came down and going, oh, wait a minute. I just talked about that two different places of the paper. I think I'll cross this section out, move this over here. And uh, yeah, that, that that's I don't think in a linear manner. Right. And I think that, well, that's why I'm, I appreciate, I, I'm actually enjoying the whole podcasting thing because we can, we can kind of go around. We don't have to kind of always go in a linear fashion and we can have a more organic conversation. Um, and so I appreciate being able to kind of do this type of work because we can have more of that casual, uh, casual talk 
so well, to speak. And the other thing is, let's say you, you got, uh, let's say you're an adult and you don't have a job. Um, well, look at small shops because mm -hmm. those are often you don't have to go through bureaucracy and stuff to get into those and and uh, there's all there's all kinds of like unique small shops like there's a comic book shop in the shopping center where I go to the, where I go to eat lunch sometimes I've been in there and I'm going hmm, there might be a good job here for somebody on the spectrum a good <laughs> right, first right. job a good first job the place is relatively quiet but you see I see these places this is what's called bottom up thinking it's not abstract and then our next door neighbor used to own a florist shop and um, I thought that'd be a good place for somebody else, you know, right? Flower, right. and independent florist shop. Lot right, of and I think good place to yeah, start. Yeah, what's good about that too is it keeps it personal, so you get to actually interact with someone, you know, face to face, and you're you're not filling out resumes online that end up just going into a black hole somewhere. <laughs> well, I, 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 my opinion of resumes online is you short circuit that. And if you're going to be doing stuff online, it's LinkedIn and it's um, forums. Here's a magic word you use online. I've gone online and I've typed in computer programming, just plain. And then I've typed in computer programming forums. Or, uh, and when you add that word forum, you pull up a whole nother wonderful set of websites that might be doors into places where it's discussion groups on some particular thing. All right. Well, no, that's a good piece of, piece of advice. Get it off at Target or at Walmart, uh, get it through. See, some of those big companies actually have programs that actively recruit people with the spectrum. But the other thing is you get to know a manager. Now, one thing that got into a fight at one of the Walmarts was, um, you know, the beginners always start out on the cash register and they, I can do that job. It's all automated. Now, I wouldn't be able to do an old fashioned making change cash register. And this person, you know, wanted to go up in the camera department and the phone, you know, electronics, because they knew that stuff. They knew how to sell it. And the store's policy is you have to start out at a bottom job. And that ended up in a fight. And, well, sometimes you've got to pay your dues. It's like the Amazon warehouse. You're going to have to unload some trucks and you're going to have to walk miles and miles in there to pick stuff. that The scanner tells you to pick. You have to pay your dues. And that's something you have to do. And you also have to learn... You sometimes just have to do some stuff you just don't really want to do. Yeah, and every that's every job. job. <laughs> every job. When I, wrote, when I wrote for the magazine, I was a livestock editor. It was really fun to go out and do a feature on a new dairy. Was it fun to write up lists of show and sale results? No. But it was super important to do them accurately because if I did those show and sale results wrong, you better believe it. Their, their animal didn't get listed. They were calling up the magazine and I was hearing about it. You know, right, every job right. a certain amount of just, you know, grunt work where you just got yeah. to do it. Yep. That's part. Yep. But as long as most of it is pretty fun, then then you're good. Or it's stuff that you uh that you're willing to do the grunt work for for the end result, which is important. Exactly. That's what you have to do. You've got to do some of this grunt work. And you also in a lot of jobs, this is less likely to happen in a small shop. But when you work for a big company, is you gonna to be having to do a bunch of entry-level stuff for a while, and you have to do it. Yeah. You yep. got to unload yep. those trucks, even if you hate unloading them. <laughs> because that's where you start. 
but you can learn from all the people around you. Definitely. Exactly. And the other thing, hygiene. You show up for filthy, dirty in Amazon warehouse. That's not going to go over very well. Yeah, you may get hot and sweaty, and but you take a shower. You have to start way. out fresh. Yeah, <laughs> show up for work just a filthy, dirty slob. Yeah. That that yeah. and I had I had people that made it very plain to me about that. You can be eccentric. You want to have purple hair? That's fine. That can't show up there where you you haven't washed your clothes for two weeks and. Yeah, that's not acceptable. Nope. These are all really good um, pieces of advice. And thank you so much for joining me today. And, um, you know, I will send everyone to um, to your site so that they can find out more information. And again, I really appreciate you being here with me today. Okay. Thank well, you so much. Great to talk to you. And I um, uh, hope some people get out there and get some jobs they're really going to like. There's a lot of jobs available right now. They're hiring. Everybody's hiring. Now's the time. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh. And if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com. And when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.